Hashtag SAFM Life Happens. All right, thanks very much for staying with us. We'll touch on other things that we had planned to do with you today. And one of the things that I do want to do is to not wait for a national day of something, to do something. There are things that affect us daily in this country that we do need to take care of and ask ourselves those questions continuously. So the one thing that has that for me recently is reports coming through that very recently we are seeing a surge in the number of infections, HIV infections in young people. And my my issue with all of this is over the years, you've seen a lot of money being pumped into campaigns to promote prevention um, of sexual activity, particularly to young people, um, so that we prevent HIV and AIDS infections. And with all of that spend, and with all that education that I believe is also happening in schools, why is that spike um, still continuing? Why is it that we're not seeing the, the, the why we're we not breaking the back of HIV and AIDS in this country? And I'm joined on the line by Professor Sue Goldstein, uh, who's associate professor at the School of Public Health at the University at WITS and uh, for HIV research. And I'm also joined by Dr. Linda Ngube Nkomo, who's a CEO at Love Life. And you know, Love Life has been uh, relentless in trying to get to understand the behavior of young people and so on. So thank you very much both ladies for joining me this afternoon i'll start with you prof why are we not breaking the back of hiv and aids infections in this country oh thank you very much for having me um well actually we are getting better um the latest stats from the um, hsrc study show that we've actually cut the new infections by 50 percent the problem is the younger age group because the, that's where the highest percentage of new infections come from, so those between the ages of 15 to 24. Um, and the biggest decline was amongst young women of 56% decrease. So it's not that we're not getting anywhere, it's just that we're not getting anywhere fast enough. So, um, and the answer that I, w- I want to I want to give you, I mean, I guess it's it's a, it's a difficult question. I think if we if we knew the exact answer, we would implement it. But um, I think the point is that education is not enough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in order for people to behave in a safe way, first of all, once off education is not enough. So, for example, condom campaigns. I don't know when was the last time you saw an advert for condom or a campaign for condom use. But given that we actually have to be consistently using condoms in a country where 14% of people are HIV positive, that means we can catch HIV from 14% of people we come into contact with, it's critical that we continue to use condoms. It's not a once-off message, and it's not, as you say, a a one-day-a-year message. So I think that's really, really important. But I think what shocked me about the HSRC study that they did in 2016 was the amount of knowledge that people don't have. So only 56% of of the the whole study knew that sticking to one partner would help protect you against HIV. And only 38% knew that having medical male circumcision would protect against HIV. So... It's not, it's not only knowledge, but even knowledge is not uh, high enough. All right. 
This is a tough one because I'm not sure if the ads, the condom use ads or campaigns are it. And I'm going to ask you, Dr. Ngube Ngomo, whether is this what young people need still? Are they, you know, do they need more condom campaigns? Well, they, they need condom campaigns will address one piece. And that's the piece that speaks to healthy sexual behaviors. But there are more issues that affect young people and their um, uh, tendency to um, adopt sexual, uh, risky sexual behaviors than, than just looking at, well, get a condom on and, 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 and we'll address it. We need to be looking at what are the issues that are driving young people to engage in risky sexual behavior. So we've got to look at what's happening to them at an individual uh, level, what's happening to them at an economic level, as well as what the social norms that are driving their behaviors. So if you look at what, uh, if you you look at what Prof just said now, it's young girls and young um, women and young girls where our biggest problem is lying as a country. And we then, if we then zero in to look at what's happening with young girls, with, with that age group, you're going to find that in that age group, the genetic makeup of the virus that they carry is similar to what men in their 30s are carrying. Mm. And suddenly we're talking about a situation where there's age disparate sex mm. that starts to rear its ugly head mm. in this whole conversation. And then it becomes, what, are, what is our response as a country? to age disparate sex because that's where the, the crisis is sitting. And if you think of the fact that every, right now as we're speaking, there's a new 15-year-old, it's almost like there is a never-ending source of young girls for men in their 30s to be engaging in sexual practices with. So, so, so it's going to be more than just talking about condoms. I think we mm. really talk about, we need to be talking about what drives certain behaviors and what needs to be underpinning messaging around continence. So then how, how much do we know about the young woman's decisions and whether she can or is given the space to decide on the condom if we are having that conversation around the fact that this infection is possibly ha- happening between themselves and a 30-year-old and so on. So maybe she knows about condom use and isn't able to use the condom. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely, absolutely correct, and and I hundred percent agree with with doctor, is that um, it's also a whole lot about power mm. and gender based mm-hmm. violence, and we know that we're the gender based violence capital in the world almost. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, young women don't necessarily aren't in the position necessarily to be able to be safe, but I think it's even more complex than that, and I think that yeah. what what we've failed as a country to do is to look at it in a holistic way. So we, we've sort of jumped around from fashion to fashion and mm-hmm. what, what we did was um, we went to, oh, let's focus on young women and girls and we forgot about the men. And then mm-hmm. we now then we decided to focus on 1990 and let's do the treatment and make sure everybody's treated and then we'll do prevention. And we forgot about the knowledge and behavior. And I really think that we need a long-term holistic plan in order to make sure that our population is health literate, especially when it comes to HIV and AIDS. 
but also a way of protecting our young women. And that's by engaging with men as well. I mean, it's, it's, a, whole, it's, it's a whole society. It's a norm, as, as, the, as the good doctor said. Which is tricky because then targeted campaigns are not really going to be the answer. So if this this focus around young young women and school education and so on, and and yet as we spoke about you know violence and so on is 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 got nothing to do with education, then our problem is far more complex. And so what other stakeholders do we need to bring into the conversation apart from the fact that we need to speak to men as well? But what other what other stakeholders need to be part of this conversation? Well, it's interesting, you know, that we, it's not, it's, and sorry to jump in there, it, it's, not, um, it's not a mystery what needs to be done. And there's quite a lot of evidence around work that's done in schools. So, for example, the Soul Buddies Club has been able to show convincingly that if you belong to a Soul Buddies Club 10 years later, you're half as likely to be HIV positive as people who didn't belong. Mm. We know that social mobilization, working in, with people in groups, in communities, working with ambassadors, etc., like the Kamenani campaign, is an, in, a very effective and impactful way of working. But I think the problem lies in you really need to look at this at, a, at scale. This is not something that we um, need to look at in one district and not in another district or mm-hmm. in one province and not in another province. Mm-hmm. With a national rate of 14%, it's, it's, we have to do it everywhere. And I think that's where um, we're making a mistake. All right, let's take calls now. I've got Chris here on the line from the Western Cape. Hi, Chris. Hello. Good afternoon, you and your guests. Good um, it's a very nice topic. Uh, and the fact that you don't have to wait for the 1st of December. Is it the 1st of December? I think so, yes. It's the yeah. First of December. So it's, there's no one reason for this problem or one solution. But I'll tell you, uh, from my observation, one does not have to do a scientific research. If you are in the community, especially the black community, you see uh, that, first of all, alcohol abuse ne, and drugs, is one of those things. If this young girl is drunk, because these young young uh, girls now they really get drunk. Yeah? They want to. They don't want to uh, uh, take in alcohol just to, to have fun. They want to get drunk. So the, if they are not sober, they don't uh, uh, think about uh, safety, even their own safety. You know. So alcohol abuse is a problem and drugs in our communities. And then the tavern or shebin owners. They still take in these young girls, even some they know that they are going to school still. Maybe the law enforcement officers should be um, uh, uh, take in and then do their job. And then also the TV and music content. Today, um, the question is, what drives this? So now when you look at the TV and this music, they are all obsessed with sex, you know. So all of that is driving this girl to think that this is right, regardless of my age, you know. And then also the blesser culture is promoted as something that is all right, it's fine, you know. These men that are old enough to to be their fathers, and they know that they are sick, you know, HIV positive, and then they go after these 15-year-old girls. Mm, thanks you know? very much for that, Chris. Uh, ladies, how much does the media content contribute to the behavior of these young ladies? Well, my, my experience is that 
it, it does contribute quite a lot. And I'll tell you why. It's because these young women, that's where they're getting all their information from. And you'd be surprised at how people say, oh, I learned about that on Generations, mm. or I learned about that mm. on some TV show that's obviously not meant to be educational. Mm. So I think that, um, and because young people are not reading, um, the education system is not up to scratch, I think they are learning a lot. And one of the big things that they're learning is about sexism. And, and I agree with the, the Chris, the caller who just phoned in, that there is a lot of exploitation of women and women's bodies, um, etc., on the, on the TV and lots of sexual activity. Um, and I, I'm guessing that it, it plays a huge part. I'm going to ask if we can maybe, you know, pause this conversation and resume this conversation perhaps next week. I think it's a very, very important discussion. In fact, you will not believe this. The number of people calling in is absolutely amazing. So if I may please ask that we resume this conversation. It's an important conversation. And I want to thank you for the time uh, that you've given us today. And unfortunately, the State Capture um, Commission is, <laughs> is what's disturbed all of us uh, today. But Dr. Linda Ngobeng Nungkomo, uh, who's a CEO at Love Life, and Professor Sue Goldstein, who is Associate Professor at WITS, uh, looking at HIV research. Thank you very much for, for joining us this afternoon. Let's go straight to Udzile Saku. It's 2 o'clock.